Well, well, what is up, everybody? So good to have you here with us at God Squad Church. I want to wish a happy late Thanksgiving to all of you that are in the U.S. Hope you guys had some great time to connect with family, be around some loved ones. But of course, we know we got tons of people not in the U.S. And if you don't, hey, hope you had a great Thursday. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. It's good to see you. It has been an amazing month in some ways in the gaming community, okay? It's been an incredible month. One, we just had Thanksgiving. And two, for games, I talked about it last week. We've had so much happening in the gaming world. PS5 came out. Destiny 2 expansion. WoW expansion. Day one releases of the console, okay? Because Xbox Series X came out as well. And there's been so, so many games that have come out. And don't hey, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for the new releases. I'm grateful for them. Believe me, I'm going to be playing some World of Warcraft Shadowlands after church. Catch me in Discord if you want to play with me as well. I love new content. I love new games. love all that kind of stuff. But if you've, been, if you've been gaming for even a short period of time, you're probably already aware that alongside of new games, new content, and especially day one releases, alongside that comes a lot of issues, comes a lot of bugs. Some of these games might not have been 100% finished. Maybe it was a deadline. They're being forced to get out by the investors and the game devs, whatever it might be. Maybe they're just human beings like all of us, and maybe they just, you know, missed a few small details, and there's been some bugs, some issues in the game. So many new games have bugs, and unfortunately, it feels like it's getting worse and worse over the years. Have you noticed, like, having bugs is, like, more of a common thing, and maybe you've had some of those oof moments where you're playing a game, and you encounter like a horrible bug, an issue with the game. The game is just blatantly broken and something is just not right. Maybe you've had a moment like this in Final Fantasy 15 where it was pretty, pretty blatant that something wasn't right, right? Like you're not supposed to be half in the ground. You know what I mean? Like you're not supposed to just be like walking through the floor. Like, hmm, when I look at this picture, like I think there's an issue, brother. I think there's some kind of bug going on. Maybe you were a part of the insane release of Assassin's Creed Unity where there are moments like this where like the dude like the dude didn't have a face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the dude didn't have a face. Like you look at this you're like I think something's not right here. I think there's an issue. Think there's a bug. Maybe you've played Skyrim. And maybe you'll notice in this picture, uh, you know, to keep things family friendly, we'll just say the fire's not exactly coming out of his mouth, if you know what I'm saying. Last but not least, maybe you've had a moment in Fallout where you've got a dog. And in this game, you have the freedom to name the dog whatever you want. So, of course, I named him Jimmy. And uh, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but uh, I think there's something not right here. Something not right. The dog's got a bog, a dox, uh, a dox. He's got a box, not only on his face, but like, in his face it's clearly there's clearly some bugs going on and this happens very very often with brand new games day one releases right last week actually it was earlier this week rule of warcraft shadowlands came out and i've been playing it non-stop off stream on stream i even streamed on thanksgiving morning because i wanted to play it so bad and um let's just say that i think i encountered a few bugs check this out where are we at what? How in the world am I in the Barrens? Literally makes negative sense. Not only am I in a different continent, I, I, I went, literally went from Bastion all the way to Kalimdor. 
if you don't play World of Warcraft, let me bring you a little bit of context of what you just witnessed. New expansion just released literally this past Tuesday, and we're going to a whole different world in the game. It's called the Shadowlands. We're stepping into the afterlife. And basically what happened, for like five minutes straight, I was just falling through the sky. You didn't get to see it in the video, but I was just falling through the sky, and then I died. But what happens in World of Warcraft is when you die, you spawn in like a ghost form near, somewhere near your body. But what happened was in this scenario, when you saw all the people around me, to put it in layman's terms, I died in New York City and respawned in the UK. Like literally made negative sense. It literally didn't make any sense. It was bug after bug after bug. You've probably got your own day one bug stories. You probably got your own stories of where you've seen issues in the game. And so what game developers do to combat this is oftentimes they'll release what's called a beta. They'll start off with an alpha and a beta, and they'll often do this, and they'll either have an open beta, or they'll let anyone and everyone play it, or they'll have a closed beta where they invite a very, very specific group of people. And I had the opportunity to be invited into the closed World of Warcraft Shadowlands beta, and it was awesome. But the reason they do these betas are not just for you to get a chance to play the game early, but the whole purpose of it is for you to go into the game and find the issues. Play the game and along your journey, find the issues. And then once you find the issues, like you're going to see in this picture, you're supposed to report the issues. You report the issues so the developers can fix the issues. You'll see in the bottom right side of that picture, a big, big button, bug reporter. And in a beta, people are invited on the inside so they can find the issues, report the issues, and fix the issues. But I've been guilty in my life, I'm not gonna lie, of getting access to the beta, which is intended to find bugs, and just play it, because I got early access. And so many people, and I, I've done this myself, they will ignore the issues in the game, not report them, and just kind of hope they go away. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, I just ran into this guy. You know, this guy didn't have a face, and the fire was, you know, blowing a fire uh, out of his not mouth, we'll put it that way. And there's, there was so many things that didn't make sense here, but I'm not going to report them. I'm just going to let them go, and, you know, hopefully eventually they'll go away they'll get better and maybe they'll never come back but how many of you know the same way that that doesn't work in a video game is the same way that that does not work in life we can't just pretend our issues aren't around i don't know about you watching i know we got a bunch of people in the chat hello everyone good to see you but i, I got a confession to make i've got some issues you just asked my wife, I've got some issues. I'm, uh, I'm not a perfect person. I got to be honest with you. I'm not perfect. I've done things I'm not proud of. I've, I've made mistakes in my life and I've, I've got some issues. I've got some issues. And sometimes I think we'll all be guilty of not really talking about our issues, not really exposing our issues and just kind of hoping they'll go away. And I think that happens, especially when it comes to faith. I think all of us, especially in church, we want to put on a face, put on a mask and pretend like we don't actually have issues. We walk into church, we walk in the discord. Well, how you doing? God's good. I didn't ask you how God was doing. I asked you how you're doing. And we can sometimes put on a face and pretend like everything's okay, even though everything's not okay. Maybe some of you are hurting. 
but you're not willing to address the issue. And here's why a lot of people think, why I think a lot of people do that. Because the thing that baffles my mind about beta testing in video games is people will get invited into a beta so that they can find the issues, report the issues, and fix the issues. But you go on Twitter like the day after a new beta has been released and you just see this in the comments. This beta sucks! So many issues! Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. You are helping us find the issues so that we can set the game free from the issues. But I think that people think that Jesus acts the way people do on Twitter. I think the reason so many of us are not willing to allow Jesus to confront our issues or aren't allowing Jesus into our hearts or not in allowing God to be the center of our lives is because you think that if you invited Jesus into your beta, he would see all sorts of issues that you think he doesn't already know. And he would go on Twitter and go, this person sucks. So many issues. Can I tell you that God already knows your issues? God already knows your struggles. He already knows the things that you're dealing with behind closed doors where you think that nobody sees. Can I tell you, he sees them. And he still loves you. But what I want you to catch today is that in order for us as gamers to be able to find the bugs in the beta, first, we need to be invited on the inside. We've gotta be invited to the inside to play the game, experience the game and find the issues. And I wanna tell you today that if you wanna find freedom from the issues in your life, you've gotta be willing to invite Jesus on the inside. You've gotta be willing to let him into your failures. You gotta be willing to let him into your issues. And what I wanna do today is I wanna bring a message that I've entitled Inside Issues. And I want to show you the way that Jesus responds to the truth of your issues, the truth of your humanity. He does not get frustrated and angry with you because you don't have it all together. The God that I serve is a God that fully knows you and still fully loves you. And I want to read together John chapter four. We're going to see Jesus dealing with an issue in a woman's life, but he doesn't deal with it and confront her with hatred and judgment. He deals with her in the kindness so he can fix her issues. I want you to read this with me. John chapter four, we're going to read verses one to 26. And then a little bit later, we're going to read a few other verses from that same chapter. But read this with me. John chapter four, starting off at verse one. Now, Jesus had learned that the Pharisees had heard he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. And I want you to, I want you to kind of put that in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to that. He had to go through Samaria. Verse five, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
for Jews did not associate with Samaritans back in those days. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have had nothing to draw and this well is deep. Where can you get this so-called living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here and getting water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. This is where it gets interesting. Verse 17, I, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not even your husband. And she said, what you have, what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worship, worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Two more verses. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Up until this point, she still doesn't understand that Jesus is talking about himself. Final verse, when Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I. I am he. This is an incredible story. Not only about Jesus declaring to the world who he is and what he's capable to do, but this is Jesus being surrounded by a woman who probably had a lot in common with me and you, who had some issues. And the way that he responds to her and helping her find freedom is so beautiful. And I, I want to break this passage down for you because I want you to know if you're here and you're like that woman, Jesus has not come, the Bible says in John 3, 17. He has not come to condemn the world. Rather, he's come to save the world from condemnation. And what I want to do is I want to go through that story again. We've read it for context, but I want to break it down and help you to see that in order to find freedom from your issues, just like this woman, you've got to be willing to let Jesus on the inside. Back in verse one, let's read it together. Now, Jesus had learned that the Pharisees had heard he was gaining and baptizing more than John. Although the fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. I want you to catch verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria. I need you to catch this. Before you and I ever read this story, because now we know the beginning from the end of it, Jesus also knew the beginning from the end of it. The God that we serve is not a God who's limited by time the way that you and I are. He knows the beginning from the end. 
He knows what you're going to have lunch for tomorrow. He also knows the game that you're playing on your second monitor when you should be listening to the sermon. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He knows the beginning from the end. So he knows that he's going to go to Samaria. He knows he's going to bump into this woman, and he already knows about her issues. Before she even tells him, she already knows about, he already knows about the issues. But now another thing that he knows that I need you to know is verse four. It says he had to go through Samaria. I need you to catch this. This is big. Jesus knows all things. And you know what else he knows? That the path that he is taking through Samaria is not the best path to get to where he needs to go. And I, I, I need you to grasp that. Like Jesus is the GPS. Like he's got the bird's eye view. He knows the geography. He knows the layout. And he knows I'm here. I got to get there. And Samaria is not the best route to get there. So then why did Jesus have to go? This is not Jesus being coerced by his disciples. Oh, you know what? I want to pick up some snacks. Let's stop in, uh, let's stop in Samaria. Heard they got the 3090 on sale there. Like this is not Jesus looking at the map and going, you know what? Samaria is the best route for me to take. So when it said that Jesus had to go, he didn't have to go because of geography. He didn't have to go because of a time constraint. He didn't even have to go because of him being coerced by his disciples. What compelled him, what caused him to have to go was his deep, profound love for this woman that he knew that he would meet at the well. And I, I need you to catch this from the get-go, that if you're here today and you've got issues, Jesus is saying, I've got to get inside your life so that I can help you find freedom. So many people think that Jesus would never want to be in my beta because if he knew about my issues, he'd start complaining on Twitter. I tell you today, Jesus is compelled to be part of your life, to be the center of your soul. He has to, he wants to save you, redeem you, restore you. He is compelled to bring freedom to your life, but not because he has to. If I never existed, God still keeps being God. He is compelled by his profound love for you and for me. Verse number five, so we came into town in a town called Samaria, called Sychar. Near the plot of the ground, Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, as tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Two things I want you to see here is, it's not very often that you see Jesus and the word tired being in the same sentence. Like, this is, this is God Almighty, Okay. Like, this is God Almighty, the creator of all the universe, the guy that created everything that ever is in six days and then rested on the seventh, not because he was tired, because he was trying to display for us the importance of you and I who are weak and fickle, unlike him, that we need rest. Here it is, Jesus saying that he's tired, and he was so tired, I need to sit down. Like, this is Jesus. Like, I'm dealing with so much. I'm ministering to so many people. I'm doing so much that I'm tired. What I want you to catch here is Jesus is not just some God sitting on the outside looking in. Jesus 
is getting his hands dirty, serving people, loving people, healing the broken. He's not on the outside looking in. He is on the inside with us, serving us, helping us, helping us find freedom. That's the God that we serve. He wants to sit by the well and speak with you. He wants to help confront your issues, the brokenness that no one knows about, the doubts that you have that even if God is real because of the situations that you're facing, he's aware of those issues and he's not on the outside from heaven looking down at you going, man, you better get your act together if you want to have a relationship with me. No, no, no. He's got his boots so hard on the ground that he is so actively involved in people's lives. And in this chapter, we see that when Jesus was in his human form, man, he was tired from serving people, tired from loving people. He's not on the outside looking in. He's on the inside serving, loving, transforming. Jesus, he knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like for some of you who are, you're way past sick and tired of 2020. He knows the issues because he's on the inside and he still loves you. Verse seven, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now this is a, this is a big moment because one in verse six, we saw that she was there about noon. She knew that culturally people didn't really go to the noon, uh, go to the well around noontime. So because she was so ashamed of who she was and ashamed of her issues, she tried to go to the well when no one else would be there. But Jesus so happens to be there. So she runs into this man who culturally should not have been associating himself with her. And she's almost taken back by it because he is asking her, hey, can you get me a drink? In verse 10, no, sorry, verse, uh, verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How, how can you ask me for a drink? She's first of all surprised that anyone else is even there. She's like, man, I really thought I was gonna be alone here. Because sometimes when you're dealing with your issues, it's just easier to be alone. But just because it's easier doesn't mean it's better. Jesus answered her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw and this well is really deep. Like, how are you going to get this water out? Where can you get this living water that you're speaking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who for context is a really important spiritual figure in the Old Testament? Because that guy, he's the one who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did, it all, and did also his sons and his livestock. But then Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them, they will never thirst. They will be satisfied for all of eternity. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In the book of John, you're gonna see so many times where the, the author John is really putting Jesus in the spotlight through the lens of Jesus being greater than any biblical character that's ever existed, that he is the fulfillment of prophecies, and that Jesus is stepping into Jewish promises, showcasing that he's better than all of them. He's better than all of them because he's God in the flesh. He's better than they could ever imagine. 
In the Old Testament, you'll read about the lambs that were being sacrificed. But now we see in the New Testament that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that no longer to gain forgiveness of our sins do you need to sacrifice an animal over and over and over and over and over again. Jesus is the better way. He is the one who went to the cross, died for our sins one time to forgive all people who would call upon the name of Jesus. He's just a, he's better. He's a better way. In the Old Testament, in order to connect with God, you needed to go into a temple on a certain day of the year and go through this whole ritual just to be able to connect with God in the temple. Now Jesus says, no, 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 no longer do you need to do a thing and go to a place and do a ritual. I have made the dwelling place. I have my, made my temple on the inside of you. My presence is inside you. I dwell with you. He's just better. He's better than anything the prophecies had said. He's better than anything they'd expected. Jesus is a better way. And this is significant because this well that they're standing at was very important. This was religiously a very, very important well. And people loved the water that was in it because the well had such significance. And now Jesus is claiming that he's better than this well. Jesus is claiming that the water that he has is better than the water from this well. This well, this is a big deal for a man to make this statement. If he didn't have the actual actions to back it up, I mean, this would have been a blasphemous statement. Man, but this well was given to us by our forefathers, Jacob. Like this well was important. Abraham made his first sacrifice not too far from this well. Abraham's servant finds Rebekah, Isaac's future wife at this well. Jacob met his future wife at this well. And Moses met Zipporah, his future wife at this well. Some of y'all single gamers in the chat, you're like, yo, where can I find this well? Where can I get me one of these wells so I can get me a hashtag GG, a girl gamer? Put an amen in the chat, okay? This is a big, important well. And Jesus is describing to her that he's better. He's better than this well. And after having described to her about how good the water that Jesus offers is, look at her response in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I'm sick and tired of looking for satisfaction, looking for fulfillment over and over and over again. If you've got a one-time water, that I can drink and be satisfied and fulfilled for all of life, please give me this water. Verse 16, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. What? <laughs> if you really are reading this story in its context, you're like, what in the world? Like Jesus, okay. Okay, Jesus, like I know that you're God. I know that you're like co-eternal with the Father. I know that you, the Holy Spirit, and God are one, but also three individuals. I know that you created the universe. I know that you know the beginning from the end. I know that you're the author, the finisher of my faith. I know that you're God. But like, do you know, do you know how to actually reach people? Like, because let me just lay down for you what happened. Jesus tells her, I have living water that you will, you will never need to drink again. And in verse 15, she's like, okay, I want the water. Like she is typing yes in the chat. She's already on her website, filling out the next steps form. I mean, she's already connected with Mama Higgs, getting herself in a small group. She's in, right? Like Jesus made the pitch and she bought it. Like hook, line, and sinker. We're in, we're good to go. We've already won her over. Like no need to go any further. Like we are good. 
And then Jesus, I mean, he like, it, it's almost like he throws. He's like, oh, you want to be in our church? Well, go get your husband. Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't have a husband. Verse 17, I, I replied, I, I, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said about you not having a husband, that's quite true, quite true. You're like, Jesus, the throw of the century. Like Jesus, like we had her in. Like, I know that you're God, but like, that's not exactly how we want to win people over. Like, let's be kind to them, loving to them. Let's let them, let's, let's bring them on in. And then like, you know, and then maybe we'll deal with that stuff later. Like, I thought you had better social skills in this. I don't know. Maybe Jesus really was a gamer. Like, as soon as she's like, all right, I'm in. Jesus is like, all right, now let's talk about your issues. What, what, what do you mean? Jesus, like, let, let, let's bring her in. Let, let's kind of soften her up. <laughs> let's slow things down a little bit. Slow things down. She's ready to receive. And Jesus is like, go call your husband. And if you don't understand the heart of God, you won't understand what Jesus is trying to do. You might see this method and you might really think that Jesus is doing this because he's cruel. But he's not doing this because he's cruel. He's doing this because he's incredibly kind. Because he loves this woman. Because he cherishes this woman. And he loves her just the way that she is. But he loves her too much to let her stay the same. He says to her, verse 16, go call your husband and, and come back. And I can imagine that things just all of a sudden got really awkward. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, did you have to bring that up? And I can imagine that right away, she's just confronted with shame. Like, wait, 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 wait what do you mean? Does he, does he know? Like before he even confronts her and says, I already know. She's like, D -d wait, does, does he, but does he know? Cause he, he just straight up read my mail. Like, did he go into my mailbox? Like, is this like sketchy Jesus? Like stock, like, does he know? He knows, he knows. And immediately she's confronted with fear. Cause how many of you know the first thing that most of us do when our issues are confronted is we just want to run and hide. It's the first thing they did in the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve ate of the apple, the very first thing they did was they hid from God, full of shame, full of guilt. Maybe you've got some issues in your life, like I have, that you would probably prefer that maybe some other people didn't know about. We've all got them. There's some things that you don't, you, you don't tell someone on the first date. Otherwise, you're going back to being single. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are some things that you don't, you don't tell people right away. And that's okay. But you've got to have people that you can tell eventually. You've got to be willing to let people in on the inside. You've got to have people that you can trust with your inside issues. And here, because he loves her, Jesus is confronting her inside issues. Jesus steps into her beta. And he sees the bug, but he's not going to go on Twitter and complain about it. He reports the bug so that he can fix the bug. I want to continue to read to you because this is so important. 
that this woman, in order to find freedom, needed to be confronted about her issue. And this is what we think about Jesus. We don't want to come to Jesus with our issues because we think that he'll be frustrated. We think that he'll hate us. But I want to tell you, Jesus wants to set you free from your brokenness, from your hurt. This God Squad Church is not a church for perfect people. It's not. If you're expecting to have a perfect pastor, you're in the wrong church. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I've got my issues. You've got your issues. And what we're called to do is to bring our issues before a holy God who fully knows us, fully loves us, and is loving enough to confront us, not to condemn us, rather to save us. This is what Jesus wants to do. He doesn't want to be on the outside looking in. He wants to be on the inside of your soul, helping correct, save, and set you free from your issues. This is Jesus saying, come on, with all your brokenness, get on in here. That's right, you. Grab your porn addiction and get on in here so I can set you free. Grab your de depression. Grab your anxiety. Grab your doubts about God because of what you're facing is so difficult. You're beginning to wonder if God is even good. Grab all of that. And get on in here. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I'm going to give you rest. Jesus wants to confront your issues, but in order for Jesus to fix your issues, you got to be willing to let him on the inside. And I'm talking all the way in. I'm not saying, God, you can know about this stuff, but I'm going to keep this stuff from you. He already knows the deep, dark secrets that you have at the deepest parts of your soul that maybe you've never even told another living, breathing human. Because you think if they knew, they could never love me. I've come to tell you today that he knows and he still loves you. You are fully known and fully loved. Every issue that you're hiding, every issue that you don't want other people to know, Jesus knows and he loves you more than you could ever imagine. He wants to set you free. He wants to heal you. But here's what we try to do so many times is we try to let Jesus remove the consequence of our sins so we can have eternity in heaven, but we don't want to let Jesus deal with our issues. This woman said, I'm ready to drink from the well. I'm ready to drink and never have to drink again. I'm ready for that. Jesus is like, well, if you want that, then let's talk about your issues. Because I don't just want you to spend eternity in heaven. I want you to have freedom here on this earth. But in order to fix the issues, you're going to have to let Jesus in on the inside. You're going to have to not only make him aware, but you're going to have to have some trusted people in your life, some confidants, some people who you can have on your inner circle, some people that you let on the inside to talk things through. You might have to connect with a pastor, not because you need to confess your sins to a pastor to get forgiveness, but because you just might need someone that you can talk to who won't judge you, who loves you. You might need to get yourself in an experience group around 10 people and form not a clique, but your own inner circle of people that you talk to every week that you love, that you can get connected with. In order for you to find freedom from your issues, 
you're going to you're gonna need to let some people on the inside because this is what Jesus wants to do for me. It's what Jesus wants to do for you. And I want you to catch one more beautiful thing about this passage. This is incredible. Jesus has offered her not only eternity in heaven, but he's also offering her freedom from her sins. He's also offering her freedom from her issues. And then I want to put back up on the screen. This is incredible. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. In verse 26, if you don't understand, this is so important. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. If you understand a lot about the Bible, which some of you might not, the I am statements are incredibly powerful. We see all the way back to the Old Testament, right? With the burning bush, Moses. And God says, I am. He is the I am. Everything that, G that you need from Jesus, he says, I am that thing. I am healing. I am freedom. I am forgiveness. I am. I am the Lamb of God. These are incredibly powerful and important statements that the Bible makes about Jesus and God and that Jesus makes about himself. These are not just a throwaway kind of phrase. These are statements of power and authority about who Jesus is. But did you know that in the New Testament, the first person that Jesus ever utters an I am statement to, it's not his disciples. It's not some really important religious person. The first person that Jesus gave the privilege to receive an I am statement is the woman with the issues. The woman with the issues. This woman who was broken. This woman who had five husbands. And we don't even really know the reason why. Some people automatically assume that this was scandalous relationships. That this woman had just been sleeping around. That she was just husband after husband after husband. But the Bible actually doesn't give us really much information as to why she is going through all these men. For all we know, this would be very unlikely, but for all we know, her husbands could have all died. And then the sixth husband is like, well, I'm not marrying you. If you've got five husbands that have died, like I'm not about to say I do to the sixth one because if you notice, the next guy's not even her husband. We don't know why. But what we do know is that for whatever reason, obviously this woman, she's got some issues and it's left her with brokenness and shame. And this broken, sinful, hurting woman is the first person that Jesus entrusts his powerful I am statement to. I want to tell some of you today that some of you are, are feeling left with shame and brokenness. And, and there's so much doubt going on in your mind right now about if God's even good, if he's even there for you, that you feel like it disqualifies you to even being the kind of person that Jesus wants to be around. This broken woman is the person that made Jesus alter his route because he had to be at the well where he knew that she would be. The things that you feel, the issues that you have that you think make God not want to be around you are the same things that Jesus wants to come and set you free from.
But in order to let Jesus fix your issues, you've got to be willing to let him on the inside. And as we wrap up, I want to point out to you one more thing from scripture. This is the same chapter, same story, just a few verses later, down in verse 39. Check this out. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And this is her. He told me everything I ever did. This woman's first response to finding freedom from her issues was to go to the people around her in the town and for her to share her faith with others. But here's the most beautiful thing that I want you to see here. When we think about sharing our faith with people, when we think about what would be called sharing the gospel, the word gospel means good news. What is the gospel, right? The gospel is the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, that on the third day he rose again from the grave, showcasing that there is no one greater than God, that he has fought every battle and dealt with every issue we could ever have, that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not be a better person, not be someone that is free from issues, but if you will put your trust in Jesus, you can then have eternal life in heaven. And when we think about sharing our faith, we think about that. We think about the gospel. But do you realize that before this woman made a decision to drink from the living water, to become a follower of Jesus, did you know that there was no gospel yet? There was no gospel. He hadn't died. He hadn't fully lived his whole life. He hadn't risen from the grave. There was no idea of justification. Like, it didn't exist yet. There was no gospel to share. Like, it didn't happen yet. It didn't happen. So what I need you to catch about verse 39 is that other people started believing in Jesus, not even because of the gospel. These people didn't start following Jesus because they knew about what he did. They started following Jesus because he knew about what they did. Look at verse 39. They believed in him because of the woman's testimony. This is what she said to them. He told me everything I ever did. This is not the woman saying, let me tell you about everything he ever did. Died on the cross, rose on the third day, ascended back to heaven, seated at the right hand of God. No, 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 no. She's not telling him about what he did. She's telling him that he knew what I did. That is her testimony, that I was sinful, far from God, I had five husbands sleeping with a man that wasn't even my husband. I had issues. And he knew all of them. And he still loved me. This is the grace of who Jesus is. And I want to tell you today that your issues do not disqualify you from God's love. And one of the most effective tools of evangelism, which means sharing our faith with others, is not even telling them about what he did. But honestly, telling them about what we did and how he saved me and loved me anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But when did he do it? While we were still sinners. I want you to catch this. Jesus He's not afraid of your issues. But in order for him to deal with them, 
you've got to let him on the inside. Final two verses, verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. I want to tell you today, every single one of us have issues. And you know what that means? That every one of us have a story to share with other people about how he loved us despite them. That can lead other people to follow Jesus. As we step into the Christmas season, the reason Jesus came into the world because you and I, we had issues. Jesus didn't step down into our beta and get frustrated because there was sin and bugs and issues. The reason Jesus stepped down into this world was not to condemn it, but to save it, but to forgive us and to set us free. But in order for Jesus to help that woman find freedom, he needed to love her enough to be willing to say, go call your husband. Let's bring your issue out in the open. Let's talk it through so you can find freedom. Stop, stop hiding it. And I believe that Jesus today would metaphor, metaphorically say to some of you, go call your husband. Not because I want to condemn you. Because I want to save you. Because I want to redeem you. But just like the developers do for the beta, in order to allow Jesus to fix your issues, you've got to be willing to let him on the inside. So I'm going to ask you today, have you really truly allowed Jesus to be on the inside? And I'm not even talking about, have you just made a decision to follow Jesus? Because the woman said, I'm willing to drink the water. But issues? I'm not going to go there, Jesus, unless you call me out on it. So I'm not even asking you, are you willing to drink the water? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I'm asking you, are you someone, you've already drank the living water. You've already said yes to follow Jesus. But if you'll be honest, you're not really letting him deal with your issues. I'm going to ask you today. Do you have people that you've allowed in your inner circle that you know love you and trust you so that you can talk about those inside issues? I want to encourage you, if you're not already plugged into an experience group, these are life-giving. There are so many people in this chat right now that are in an experience group. They're a small group of 10 people that meet for like one hour every week. They not only learn the Bible together, but they do life together. As around these same group of people frequently, you learn to develop a deep level of trust and commitment to one another, where people are talking about their inside issues. We are not fake people, and we are not perfect people, which means that if we want to not be fake and be real, that means that we have to be willing to talk about our inside issues. Stop spending so much energy hiding your issues. And, stop and start using that energy to share your story to reach people who are far from Christ. We saw that woman who showed up to the well every day at noon 
she had to deliberately move her schedule around. All the traffic to the well was in the morning, but she had to rearrange her whole schedule just so that she could show up at noon when no one else was around so that nobody else would know about her issues. Spending so much energy hiding her issues. But when Jesus set her free, she had more energy to not just hide her issues, but to then go into the town, share her story, and because of it, people gave their lives to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, you're putting your energy in the wrong place. Stop hiding your issues. Let your issues be brought in the light. I'm not telling you to type it in the chat. I'm definitely not telling you to go in the general chat and just start spilling your beans. I'm talking, get around some people that you can trust, that love you enough, despite your issues, to help you find freedom. Get around people that care about you. Form an inner circle. Get an inside crew to talk about your inside issues. Because if you don't, you, you might get to heaven, but you'll never experience the true freedom that Jesus has for you. I, I've come to tell you today, go grab your husband. Go confront. Go get around people who love you. We are broken. But when we're broken together, that's how we find healing. When you allow Jesus into your beta, he finds your issues and he fixes your issues. And I challenge you today, let Jesus Christ on the inside, let some people on the inside, not so that they can condemn you, but that's so that they can help you find freedom. I believe today in Jesus' name that as you open up your heart, today some of you will find freedom. Today some of you will find peace, will find joy. Your doubts don't disqualify you from God's love. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will go call your husband, that you will go confront your sins so for the first time ever, you can release that shame, you can release that guilt, and you can experience freedom. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you just had to go to the well. We thank you, God, that even if it was out of your way, even though it wasn't the best route, Jesus, you were compelled to be around this woman. And I'm grateful today, God, that despite all of my brokenness, despite all of my issues, thank you, God, that you're compelled to be around me. And as I put my faith and trust and dependence on Jesus Christ, the King of the world. Thank you, God, that you're willing to deal with my inside issues. As we put our eyes towards the Christmas season, thank you, Jesus, that you stepped inside our world to deal with our issues. I pray today in Jesus' name that you would encourage people today to sign up for an experience group. I pray that God, as they see the link in the chat, I pray that they, God, they would be willing to make a bold step to not let another day go by, not let another service go by where they hear about an experience group but not actually get plugged in. I pray they would get engaged in community around a inner circle so they can find freedom from their inside issues. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help us to put our trust in you, to be real Christians. Real Christians are broken people. At times we're inconsistent. At times we do things we shouldn't. And that doesn't disqualify us. That is the whole reason why we actually need Jesus. 
So God, I pray today that people would find freedom. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.